This message is your warning. What you are about to hear is a passage of scripture from the most powerful sermon in history. The words we are about to read are from the heart and mouth of Jesus Christ himself. These teachings are radical and are to be taken seriously. This will serve as your warning that the sole purpose of this series is to examine six heart sayings of Jesus. We will examine each saying together as a church and then have a time of personal response. You are about to be challenged. Please open up your heart and mind to what is about to take place. Part six, love your enemies. Matthew chapter 5, if you will find your place in your Bibles there in the New Testament book of Matthew, and we're going to find our place in verse 43 in just a moment as we continue this series entitled Warnings, where we as a church family are taking some of these very difficult, challenging, hard sayings of Jesus and applying them to our lives, and we're going to look at that text in just a moment. This time last week... As you heard before, I was on the continent of Africa, and I had the privilege on a Sunday morning to go preach at what's called a bush church. Now, you're probably saying, what in the world is a bush church? Well, I'll just say it doesn't look anything like this, all right? It's about 20 miles from nowhere out in the middle of the bush of Zambia under a tree. There's a few huts, a tree and a preacher, and a Bible, and about 50 people, and it was an incredible experience. There's nothing quite like preaching and hearing goats and chickens in the background. There's just nothing quite like it. But it was an incredible experience there, and when I first arrived with some of the team, there was another young man who was speaking to the group of people that had gathered there. This was a brand new congregation that had just started there out in the middle of Zambia. This young man was taking his Bible, and in broken English, he was standing up reading a passage of Scripture to the congregation. And when I first walked up, here's what I heard him reading in broken English. He said, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And he kept on reading and he said, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And it was amazing to think that here I was on the, literally the other side of the planet last week, and there we were in a bush church, and they were reading and studying the exact same passage that you as a church family was studying last week, and that we're going to study this week. And I just sit back and I said, man, God is big, isn't he? And his word is living and active. And I thought just as applicable as his word was to that Bush Church out in the middle of nowhere, it's equally quick and powerful and applicable to hear at us, Hope Baptist Church, a meeting in a high school in Sin City, Las Vegas. Why? Because this is the living Word of God. And this morning, we're going to take a look at the living Word of God. And I want to read to you where we're going to be this morning from the mouth of Jesus, this sixth tough statement that he's going to make, and we're going to dive into it together this morning. So I'm going to read beginning in verse 43. You can follow along on the screen or from your Bibles. Jesus says this. He says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends out the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect. It's easy enough, right? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. What we have here is a very difficult saying from the mouth of Jesus Christ himself. And if you're visiting with us over the last five weeks, we as a church family have tackled the five previous difficult sayings of Jesus. And you know, we dealt with difficult issues like relationships and reconciliation. What does Jesus have to say about marriage and easy topics like divorce and retaliation and personal integrity and some of these things that he deals with here, hard sayings. But Jesus speaks very clearly here. And with each one of these tough sayings, as he's introduced the different subject, he's introduced it in a similar way, and he does so here this morning as we look at the sixth one. He's introduced each of these subjects with a similar pattern, something like this. He will say, you have heard... But I say, in other words, Jesus is saying, here's the teaching of the day. Here's what you've been hearing about this scripture or about this commandment. But I say to you, and we need to understand Jesus in no way was questioning the authority of scripture. He was not questioning these commandments here, but what Jesus is challenging, and we need to know this this morning, is Jesus was challenging the contemporary interpretation and application of the commandments. He was saying, I know what you've been told. I know what you've been taught. I know what you've heard, but I say to you. And what's important in that day, you need to understand it was an oral culture. What does that mean? Well, basically what that means is the typical person in this day, they didn't have their own scroll of the Old Testament that they took home with them, right? The typical Jewish family didn't have a copy of God's Word. So the only thing pretty much that they knew about the Scriptures is what they were taught or what they had heard. So it was very easy during that day for these religious leaders and these rabbis and these Pharisees to stand up and say, here's the scriptures, now let me tell you what they mean. Let me tell you how this applies to your life. And no one had the opportunity to open their Bibles and say, wait a minute, that's not what it says. That's not what it means. It was very open to a distortion and twisting of the heart of the true meaning of the scripture. And Jesus, as the author of Scripture, says, I know what you've heard. Now let me tell you the heart behind what was said. And listen, if there's a disagreement between the teachers of the day and Jesus, I'm on Jesus' team. Amen? He says, I know what you've heard. But now let me tell you what I say. 
And he begins that with our sixth tough statement that we're going to talk about today. And basically, we're going to take this statement, kind of like the others, and we're going to ask three questions about it. First, what was the commandment? Because each one of these statements is based on an Old Testament commandment. What is the commandment? And secondly, we're going to ask the question, how does Jesus explain the commandment? What does Jesus have to say about it? And then thirdly, we're going to ask the question, how does this apply to me today? All right? And that's where we're going this morning. You guys ready? All right. Let's ask the first question. What is the commandment that's being dealt with here this morning? Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 again. Jesus says this. He says, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor. Now, everybody's heard that commandment, right? It's one of the best-known commandments in the Bible. You probably learned it as a kid. You probably teach it to your children. We've heard this before. Love your neighbor, right? And this commandment comes from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 18. Leviticus says this, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now this commandment appears throughout the New Testament. Multiple times the New Testament writers refer back to this commandment. In fact, on one occasion, some of the scribes and the Pharisees of that day came to Jesus and they were trying to challenge Jesus. They were trying to get him in a, in a quandary where he would misspeak or say something wrong. And they said, alright Jesus, there's so many commandments in the Bible. What is the most important commandment of all? You remember that? I don't mean were you there. I mean, do you remember it from the Bible, right? What was the most important commandment? And Jesus says, well, that's easy. He answers it in Matthew 22. He says, or the story goes like this, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second Is like it, Jesus said. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to what Jesus says. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. He says you get these two commandments, you understand the whole Bible. You understand the entire Old Testament because it's built on these two commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. So when we deal with this commandment, we're just not dealing with one of the the many commandments. We're dealing with the top two. It's a biggie. Paul said it this way in Galatians 5. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in one statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul says you get this one, you get the whole law of God. You get what it means. James said, if however you're fulfilling the royal law, James 2.8, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. So the picture that's painted is this is a very important commandment. The entire Bible is built on this commandment. And the teachers of the day, the Pharisees and the religious rabbis of the day, had taken this very important, very simple, straightforward commandment and ever so subtly began to twist it and distort it and miss the heart and the meaning of this commandment. And they had begun to teach this to the people of Israel. And that's the idea that this commandment had begun to take in this culture. They had begun to miss it. Now, how did these teachers distort it? Believe it or not, these teachers had taken the Word of God and used the Word of God, but distorted the meaning of Scripture. They were teaching lies 
and using Scripture to do it. Now, aren't you glad that doesn't happen today? Aren't you glad that every time you turn on the television or somebody stands and holds the Bible and says they're speaking from God, that they speak the truth, right? Not so. You need to understand that even though somebody may have all the degrees on their wall, and they may even speak as though they're speaking from God and even use the Scripture, it is possible to distort and miss the heart of the meaning of the Word of God. You may get the letter of the law and miss the spirit behind the law of God. And that's what was happening with these teachers today. And that's how they were teaching the people of God. And they did it in three ways. Let me show you these real quick. One way they did it was by omission. See, what do you mean by that? Well, Jesus gives you an indication of this back in verse 43. He says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor. Is anything missing from that? See, the original command as it was given in Leviticus said, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the teachers of the day had conveniently left that part out. Does that make a difference? Why did they leave that part out? They left that part out because it's one thing to say, I love my neighbor. Man, I, I, I'm, I, I have this warm feeling about my neighbor, about my, this person in my life, whoever it may be. It's one thing to say I love my neighbor, but it is something entirely different, different to say I love my neighbor as I love myself. And the point was the teachers of the day, because of the pride in their heart, realized the commandment to love your neighbor as yourself was just too hard. <laughs> And it couldn't be achieved of their own human effort. So here's what teachers do that want to distort the Word of God. And you need to be very careful. They will lower the standard of the Word of God so that it can be achieved by human effort. And then you can pat yourself on the back and say, look what I did. That's what they did. They said, this part about loving your neighbors yourself, man, that's way too hard. Let's lower the standard a little bit. Let's just love our neighbors in this general kind of subjective way. And they miss the spirit behind the commandment. Not only by omission, they added something that wasn't there. Jesus, again, he says, you've heard that it was said. Here's the commandment as they were teaching it. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. They were teaching this as the commandment. Again, driven by pride, these prideful teachers of the day wanted to do anything to elevate themselves in comparison to other people. So what they did is they taught some of the illustrations of the Old Testament. When, when God called the nation of Israel to drive out their enemies. And to defeat their enemies as a nation. To protect the nation. They took some of those stories and said okay here's what that must mean. We have biblical authority to hate anyone that opposes us. <laughs> we have a biblical right to hate anybody that's different from us. We have the biblical authority to hate anybody that stands against us. And they begin to teach it that way. And the commandment began to be understood as this. Anybody that's different from you, anybody that's not like you, anybody that opposes you, you have biblical authority to hate. That's why during this day the Romans said of the Jewish nation, the Jewish nation had a hatred of the human race. 
Because the teachers taught, hey, here's what the Bible says. Love your enemy, hate your enemy. Or love your neighbor, hate your enemy. You have biblical authority to hate anybody that stands against you. And they had distorted the spirit of this verse. They had also misapplied it. They took the word neighbor and totally distorted what the word neighbor meant. They took the word neighbor to mean this. Anyone that we favor, that we approve of, or is just like us. That's our neighbor. <laughs> Anybody that's different. Anybody that doesn't agree with us. Anybody who doesn't quite live up to our standard. Then we have the biblical authority to hate and shun them. Listen, that's why Jesus, when he taught the parable or the story of the good Samaritan, you remember that? Jesus taught that story because somebody said to him, all right, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And the rabbis of that day hated that story because the hero of that story was a Samaritan. Different, wasn't a Jew, wasn't like them. And Jesus said, that's your neighbor. And totally went against what they had been teaching. So you put all that together and here's the way this commandment was being taught during that day. The religious leaders of the day were teaching and modeling a love that was self-seeking. It was self-serving. It was conditional. It was condemning of anyone different. It was hating of anyone in opposition. And they justified all of it by saying it was based on the word of God. That was the climate of the day. Would you say they missed it? Slightly. So that's why Jesus Christ steps on the scene and says, I know what you've been taught. You have heard that it was said. Here's the thinking of the day, but I say to you. And that's our second question we're going to look at. What does Jesus say about this commandment? We know how it was taught during the day, but what does he say about it? Jesus steps on the scene, and really what Jesus is doing here is scandalous. I mean, don't miss the picture. The religious leaders of the day were heroes. The religious leaders of the day were the, were the ones the people looked up to and listened to and respected. And Jesus, as it were, steps on the scene and says, Hold on! Wait a minute! You guys have missed it. Making statements like he makes here is why they hung him on a cross. Got it? They didn't like that. I mean, not exactly like it, but it would be something like next week if Pastor Vance is up here preaching and waxing eloquent and, and making applications from the Word of God. One of you stands up and comes down front and says, hold on, wait a minute. Vance, I respect you, but you're missing it. In fact, I'll pay somebody $100 if you'll do that next week. <laughs> now, the 9 o'clock service, there was about 10 hands. I don't see many hands here, so. What Jesus was doing was radical. These religious leaders of the day, he said, Guys, you have distorted the word of God. Here's what you've been teaching. But I say to you. Verse 44. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. He says in verse 46, If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? If you greet only your brothers, what's the big deal about that? 
In other words, they had distorted the kind of love that Jesus is teaching here, that the Bible is teaching. This whole passage is ultimately about this. How do we love? How do we love? And really, as we look at this as a church family, the overarching question to be asking ourselves this morning is this. How do we love? Do we love with a natural love that comes easy? Or as the people of God, do we love with a supernatural love that comes from the power of the Spirit of Jesus living inside of us? Jesus takes this and He begins to teach about this commandment. And he shares three things. And I want to share these three things with you here real quickly. Number one, He said, talking about the kind of love that's taught here. This commandment is about love. Jesus says three things. Number one, this kind of love is not natural, but supernatural. See, the Pharisees had reduced the kind of love that the Bible was talking about here was to something that comes easy. Love your neighbor. As long as they're just like you. <laughs> as long as they act just like you, look just like you, believe what you do. Love your neighbor. But your enemy? Somebody that opposes you? Somebody that may not be out for your good? You can hate them. Uh, love those who love you, says in verse 45. The Pharisees taught, man, it, love those who love you. But if they don't love you, you can hate them. Greet only your brothers. In other words, love only those who are just like you. And Jesus says, wait a minute, you missed the spirit behind this commandment. This commandment is all about not a natural kind of love that comes easy, but a supernatural kind of love that comes from the very heart of God. See? So what Jesus does is he compares and contrasts two kinds of love here. Natural love that comes easy and supernatural love that comes only from the power of Christ. Say, so what does natural love look like? Let me give you a few examples. This kind that they taught, the kind that was taught by the Pharisees of this day, the kind that comes easy. Jesus said even tax collectors love this way. That was a jab to the Pharisees, by the way. Said the Gentiles love this way. Anybody can love this way. There's nothing supernatural about it. What does it look like? Number one, natural love values those who love us. Verse 46 says, if you love those who love you, the kind of love they were teaching was the kind that loves only those who love you. Listen, it's kind of easy to love somebody that loves you, right? But what if they don't? Jesus said, this kind of love also seeks the good of those who benefit us only. Listen, it's easy to love somebody who's out for our benefit. It's easy to love somebody that we know we're going to get a return on our investment, so to speak. It's easy to love somebody that we know is on our team and on our side. It's kind of this, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine mentality. It's kind of this mentality, man, this person's been so good to me, of course I'm going to be good to them. But what if they're not? What if they're not for you? What does Jesus say about that? This kind of love, also natural love, embraces those who are just like us. Verse 47, he said, if you greet your brothers, in other words, the teaching that they had was, you know, you love your brothers, those who are just like you. Those who think like you and dress like you and act like you and look like you. It's easy to love those, right? What if they're different? 
Very different. He said this natural love, it, it expects love in return. It's kind of easy to love somebody when you know you're going to get love in return. But what if, what if God calls you to love somebody who's not even capable of loving? Who's not even capable of showing you love in return? What if God calls you to love somebody who doesn't even appreciate your love and doesn't even want it to begin with? Jesus says, that's the natural kind of love. That's what was being taught during that day. He says, there's another way. He says, the spirit of this commandment is this. The human tendency is to love that which benefits us. We love based on the desirability of the object of our love. That's natural love that comes to us naturally. But Jesus says, I'm talking about a supernatural love here. It doesn't come naturally. It comes by knowing the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word he used here was agape. And you've heard this word before. In the Greek language, it was the highest form of love. There's several words in the original language to mean love. This is the highest form of love, which means the love that seeks and works for the welfare and success of another, whether I'm benefited or not. This kind of love is the kind of love that acts for the good of another person, whether it benefits me or not. This person's welfare is just as important as mine, whether they love me or not. It's a godlike love. Doesn't come naturally. It's not selfish, it's selfless because it's not about us. Jesus said, This is the kind of love that I'm talking about in this commandment. And this kind of love is radical, and you don't see it anywhere in the world. But this is what the Word of God is calling us to as the people of God. Not natural, supernatural. What does it look like? Well, Jesus shows you here what does supernatural love look like? Let me give you a few things. Number one, Supernatural love values those who may want to harm us. Jesus said, love your enemies. Jesus said, love that person who may be out not for your good. Jesus said, love that coworker who may even lie to get ahead of you. Jesus said, love that boss at work who may not be out for your good, but out to really destroy you. Jesus said, love that classmate. Love that teacher who's always on your case and really has no concern for you. Jesus said, it's easy to love a person when they love you, but what if they don't? He said, this kind of love loves those who may want to harm us. He goes on, too, he says, seeks the good of those who oppose us. He says, pray for those who persecute you? <laughs> That's radical. Pray for the good. Pray for the welfare. Pray for the success of someone who may be out for your demise. <laughs> that doesn't come natural, does it? I remember when we were in Thailand not too long ago and the Thailand pastors were there and many of them had been locked up because of their faith. And I remember them telling stories of their captors. We said these guys who, they're telling us about these guys who hurt them and hated them and locked them up. We said, what would you guys do? They said, we prayed for our captors. We prayed for their success. We prayed for God to love them and that they would know the love of God. And God used us because they had never seen love like that before. Do you pray for those who are opposed to you? 
that friend, that classmate, that boss? What about the person on the interstate that cuts you off? (laughs) You say, what do you do, Mike? Well, I pray for his welfare and his well-being. No, usually I don't. (laughs) I pray that he would get off the road. This is the kind of love that's supernatural. Pray for those who oppose you. Thirdly, Jesus says, love those who are hard to love. Supernatural love loves those who are hard to love. (laughs) Does anybody know anybody that's hard to love? In fact, if you know somebody that's hard to love, would you just stand up and point at them right now? How about that? How many of you are married to that person? No, I'm just kidding. We talked about that a few weeks ago, okay? Will Jesus bring people into your life that are hard to love? Yeah. Why? Two reasons, I think. Number one, because he wants to teach you what real supernatural love is. He wants to place you in a situation where naturally you would hate that person. Did you know if God wants to teach you a certain attribute, he will place you in a situation where the other attribute would be your natural response? In other words, he wants to teach you about love, he'll put you in a situation where naturally it would be hate. Why? Because he wants to teach you supernatural love. The other reason he brings people like that in your life, people who are hard to love, because nobody else is going to love them. Except the people of God. God may bring somebody in your life and nobody else in the world is going to give them the time of day or show them any love. And Jesus has brought them in your life trusting that the love you have received in Christ, you are going to be able to show that person. Why? Because it's supernatural love. It's not natural. Jesus says love those who are hard to love. Also, supernatural love embraces those who are different from us. That's not always easy, is it? I mean, it's easy to love people we agree with, who like us, who dress like us, who act like us, who are always like us. But Jesus says, there's a supernatural love to love those who are different from you. Supernatural love is unconditional. It's unconditional. I mean, do you in your mindset sometimes think somebody has to almost earn the right to be loved? Or they have to meet a certain criteria. Or they have to meet a certain expectation to be worthy of your love. That's conditional love. And that's not God-like love. That's natural love. Supernatural love says, I will show love to that person because I have been shown love. Thank God that He doesn't deal with us in conditional love. Thank God he didn't look on me and say, well, when Mike gets to the place where he's worthy of my love, then I'll think about loving him. Right? I didn't earn the love of God, neither did you. Supernatural love. It's unconditional. Also, supernatural love expects nothing in return. It's easy to love somebody when you know you're going to get something back, right? Listen, some of you in this church family have demonstrated this over the last few months. We've seen some of you who are caretakers. 
And you've been caretakers of family members who don't even, because of their condition, have the capacity to love back. But you know what you've done? You've loved them supernaturally. Why? Because of the love of Jesus. They can't give any love back. Listen, sometimes we feel like that as parents, don't we? <laughs> I mean, you feel like you're giving and giving and giving as a parent, especially if you have children. And sometimes you go, man, am I ever going to get anything back? But you love anyway. Why? Supernatural. It's easy to love when you expect something in return. What about that person in your life who's not even capable of showing love or may never appreciate your love? What do you do about them? Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Jesus says this kind of love is supernatural, not natural. Secondly, just a couple more, we're done. Jesus says this kind of love that he's talking about here, it's being taught from this commandment, demonstrates our true identity. What does that mean? Look at verse 45 again. Jesus says, or verse 44 and 45, he says, I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Is Jesus saying that if you love, then you'll become a child of God? No, that's not the meaning of this verse. The meaning of this verse is the way you love demonstrates who you truly are. In other words, the watching world, I promise, is not overly impressed with our religious activity, right? Your lost neighbor who doesn't know Jesus doesn't really care how many times you go to church. But they are going to be impacted when they see and experience a supernatural love that they don't see anywhere else. Something's different about you. What is it? I have received a supernatural love and now I get to give it. See that? Agape love may involve emotion, but it must involve action. 1 John 3, 17 and 18 says, But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. The way you love demonstrates who you truly are in Christ. When I was in Africa a few weeks ago, you said, I'm really getting tired of hearing about your trip to Africa. Well, I've got some slides. Would you like to see them? I was there last week. We heard this story of this fellow who was in Sudan. I don't know if you know anything about the Sudan, but it's a hotbed between Christians and Muslims right now. And there was a story of this church that was in a town, a church building. A church family had a church building, and they were in the same town where there was a mosque. And this mosque was so opposed to the church being there, a group of radicals came up out of that mosque and went and burned that church building to the ground. A group of Christians didn't know what to do, so they just began to pray. And Word of that kind of began to reach around the world, and money started to come in. and Enough funds were generated and raised for that church family to finally rebuild their building. But you know what that church family did with that money? Because they knew what the scripture teaches about loving your enemies. They believed God had so impressed on their heart. They took that money and they went to the local mosque. And they presented it to their enemies and said we want to give you this. Because we've experienced a love that's supernatural. And we want to demonstrate that love to you. Guess what? That's not natural. It's supernatural. 
Rick Warren said it this way. He said, you cannot win your enemies to Christ. You can only win your friends. This kind of love is supernatural. This kind of love demonstrates our true identity. And thirdly, this kind of love is a God-like love. It's a God-like love. Verse 48 in the scriptures, a challenging verse, man. It says, therefore, you are to be perfect. What? As your heavenly Father is perfect. What does that mean? Well, in the context here, he's talking about the nature of our love. The word perfect here in the original language is, it, it means to reach or come to completion. Mature, lacking nothing. A perfect, complete love that lacks nothing or leaves no one out. It is a complete, perfect love. In other words, that is the love of the Father. It is complete. It lacks nothing. It leaves no one out. It is a perfect love. And Jesus says, that is the kind of love I'm talking about here. It's not generated from the human heart. It is generated from the heart of God. The word agape literally means here also, it also means the love that God is, the love that God demonstrates, the love that God gives. It is a God-like love. 1 John 4 says, we love because He first loved us. Romans chapter 5 verse 10 says, for if, we were, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Is it possible to love your enemies? Sure is. You know why? Because God did. He loved you and He loved me. And the Bible says, I was an enemy of God. Is it possible to love somebody that lies about you? Sure is. Jesus Christ did. Is it possible to love somebody that smears your reputation? It sure is. Jesus Christ did. Is it possible to love somebody who publicly shames you? Sure is. Jesus Christ did. Is it possible to love somebody that offers you nothing in return? Sure is. Jesus Christ did and does today. The kind of love that's demonstrated here is not natural. It's supernatural. You say, Mike, I hear all that, but... Wow. How does this apply to us today? Final question. The first question I have for you under that is, then is this. How do you love? How do you love? Is your love a natural kind of love? Or is it supernatural? Is yours the kind of love to those who are easy to love? Those who are hard to love. Jesus says there's a natural way and there's a supernatural way. He said, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When we hear something like this, we can have several responses. One of our responses can be this. Rejoice. Rejoice in the love of God. I mean, I'm the enemy. I'm undeserving. I didn't earn it. But God, the Bible says, has shed abroad the love of God in our hearts. 1 John says, oh, the depth of the love of God. How great is the love of God. Who can know the depth and the breadth and the height of the love of God in Christ Jesus? See how great a love the Father has given to us. Rejoice. You also recognize, I can't love this way. You're right. 
Only by knowing the love of God and daily abiding in His love are we ever able to love this way. The third response may be repentance. God, I want to love this way, but I hadn't been. God, there's people in my life that I realize now you've brought there and I've shown them anything but love. God, forgive me. Change my heart this morning. So I want to end our service just a little different. You don't have to close your eyes or bow your heads right now. But what I want to do is I'm going to read to you a few questions. And I want you to just to sit before the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit, God, show me how this applies in my life today. I want you to answer these questions before the Lord, honestly before Him. He knows where your heart is. Just you and Him right there. Here we go. How do you love? Naturally? Supernaturally? Is your life characterized by natural love or supernatural love? Do you love only those who benefit you? Is there anyone in your life right now who is hard to love? Do you love only those who appreciate or return your love? Are you trying to love from your own strength or from His strength? It's a hard saying of Jesus, isn't it? Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that's the last hard saying of Jesus. Let's pray together this morning. Let me ask you to bow your heads where you are. As our team comes to lead us this morning, in just a second we're going to stand and sing about the love of God. This morning you may be there right now and you hear all this about the love of God and you say, I've never really experienced that love. Are you telling me that God loves me just the way I am? Are you telling me that God loves me unconditionally? I don't have to earn it or I don't have to clean myself up or get myself to the place where I'm worthy. No. God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This morning when we stand and sing in just a moment, you may want to know that love of God. He loves you this morning. He died on a cross to save you from your sins, to redeem you, to give you the life that He intends for you. When we stand and sing in just a moment, we're going to have some folks along the side, pastors and prayer volunteers. We'll have some people out in the courtyard when you're done. Go out there and talk to somebody. But if during this service you want to get up to where you're seated, go take one of them by the hand. They're there to answer any questions, to introduce you to a love relationship with Jesus Christ. For the rest of us this morning, we've heard a hard saying. As we sing, I pray you continue to do business with God. Obey what He's calling you to do. Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you that your word cuts deep into our hearts. It's not always easy. It's good. Thank you for this time. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray.